Welcome to the Rural Insights Podcast, where we explore rural actions and policies that impact Michigan's Upper Peninsula and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you'd like to learn more about Rural Insights, visit ruralinsights.org. Now, here's your host, David Haynes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Rural Insights Podcast. This is another one of our series about people who have grown up in the Upper Peninsula and gone on to careers around the world, whether it's in other parts of the United States or in the UP or uh, uh, internationally. And today, we're pleased to have with us Karen Ogle, who has had a very distinguished career in the State Department of the United States. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about my raspy voice. Um, and um, she's going to tell us about that in a minute. But first, I wanted to tell us, so if I remember right, you grew up in South Marquette on Fisher Street. Correct. And went through went through the Marquette education system, graduated from, from uh, Marquette High School. Correct. And where did you go after that? But what what? Did you go right into foreign service? What What did you do? No, um, I had a couple of what I like to refer to as my lost years. I wasn't really sure what to do with myself. Um, worked in a lot of jobs around Marquette. Eventually kind of realized I was smart enough to, you know, do something a little bit more and um, started going to Northern. And it was then that I first heard about the foreign service. Um, a, a colleague that I was working with uh, mentioned it, and it was a kind of a jarring moment because I thought, oh, my God, this is for me. And what she was talking about at the time was a staff job as a Foreign Service secretary. So I thought, well, I know how to type. I can do that. So I started writing letters and eventually got in on that um, and that career path. I mean, that's how I started, which was pretty much at the very bottom of the Foreign Service ladder. Oh, that's great. And and what what helped you climb that ladder? We'll get to when you're up on that level. What helps you climb up that ladder? Well, I think what helps anybody is the people that you're working with. You know, I was uh, working for some of the department's most senior uh, officials, and a couple of them came to me and singled me out and said, this is what you need to do. You need to follow this. You need to apply for this. You need to apply for this program. And, you know, nobody nobody has a successful career by themselves. And and all these wonderful people that I got to work with um, helped steer me and um, guide me to what eventually became the Foreign Service career path. So before we leave it, do you remember who the person was who at Northern who told you about the Foreign Service? Um, her, her name, no, her, well, I remember her name. Her name is Vera uh, Thomas. And she was, she was somebody who was working there. Um, uh, and her husband was with the Air Force. That was it. She, oh, okay. So, yeah. And I've right, never right, been able right, to right. find her. Oh, wow. And tell oh, her that I did a, this. Yeah, that would be fun. Wouldn't it? That yeah. Would be yeah. Fun. I've tried. Yeah. So before we talk a little bit about your career steps, 
what are the what are the values, uh, behaviors, whatever you learned growing up in Marquette that have helped you through your career? What what growing up in a community like the Upper Peninsula in Marquette? What are some of those things? That's a very good question. Um, I think growing up in a small town, um, whether you know everybody or not personally, you kind of know who they are. You know, that's this family, that's this family. <laughs> Therefore, you're, you're you're living in a bit of a glass bowl. So, yeah. you know, people do know who you are and what you're doing. When we were kids, no other parent had a problem with disciplining us. Um, and so we kind of kept, you know, kept policed that way to keep us on the straight and narrow. Um, but also people really knew each other and came together in times of, in hard times. And an embassy is very much like that. You're living in a small town. You know, you're you're working with these people. You're you're going to um, to social events. You're going to official events. Some people go to church together. You know, it, it's it's a small town, and it just replicates itself all over the world. And so, no, knowing how to negotiate. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. An embassy is having worked in an embassy that that I understand. It's a it's a tight community, uh, and you do know everybody. Uh, uh, even I, as a low level military person, you knew they may not talk to you, but you knew who they were. You know, absolutely, <laughs> that, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about taking all that Marquette we just talked about and. But what did you do in this career? Tell us, tell our our listeners and viewers what what you progress a little bit about where you lived because I know you lived all around the world. So yeah, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I I started as I said as what was called a, a, a office management specialist, which at the time was a foreign service secretary, and I worked for the department's ambassadors and assistant secretaries in different uh, countries and in Washington, D.C. and the National Security Council. I did that for about nine years. Um, and then I was invited to apply for this, what would be referred to in the uh, military as the Mustang program, mm -hmm. um, where you can take a, a, an, a, an enlisted E8 or E9 or something like that and convert them into an officer candidate. And so yeah. I applied for that and you get one shot at it. If you don't, uh, if you're not accepted, then you just go uh, and continue your your other career path. And I was, I was very fortunate. I got accepted and that started a 27 year career as a fully accredited diplomat. That took me to basically all the continents except Antarctica. Um, and I've done work as um, an administrator uh, a public affairs officer like um, my colleague Rob, and then, but my specialty was consular work, um, which um, in the foreign service community we have five cones, and one of them is consular. And what our jobs there are is to we have two houses. We take care of American citizens, and we have the visa side of the house. So with the American citizen side of this, how you know what we do things. Man, you know, very mundane things. If you lose your passport, you think it's a crisis. It's not, but we'll give you another one very quickly. Uh, to it working in real crisis where, you know, people need to be evacuated, their loved ones have died, um, 
they've been attacked. They've, you know, there's any kind of the, any kind of normal crisis that you read about in the paper. It's always the consular officer who goes to see this person. Jail visits. I've been in jails all over the world. Um, there, are, there's a lot of um, variety in the quality of jails from country to country. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then on the visa side, it's always to who's who's authorized to come into the United States, who qualifies, how do they do that, and how do we help them get in, and conversely, who is not qualified. And, and just so our viewers know, uh, the visa side is the, the citizens of the country in which the the consular office is located. So if it's in Mexico, uh, France, or or Poland. You would go to that consular office and say, "I want to get a visa to go to the United States." Correct. And you have to correct. Right. Um, and and uh, what 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 countries did you serve in to, in the consulars or or where? Because I know you had really a broad experience in that. Yeah, I can whip through them pretty quickly. Um, Oman, Morocco, Lebanon back to Washington, Germany, Bangladesh, Saudi Arabia, Ireland, Congo, Australia, Turkey, Mexico, Mexico, England. <laughs> so so what what in each of those you learned new skills. Did they make you is there continued training for you as you go through this experience? So if somebody goes into the foreign service they would be trained to do each function. I'm not explaining that very well. No, but you know. I understand your question, though, and it, it, absolutely. You know, you've got you've got intense area studies before you go. You've got cultural um, studies. You've got language studies um, in in the foreign service because um, well, language is obviously a very valued um, talent. And after the age of forty, I had to do three languages to begin wow. professionally proficient in it. So it's um it, there's there's constant training, leadership training, management training, you know, how to work with the hill, how to how to work with the white house, it, it, on and on. So all these all these places uh all from a start in 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 Marquette and uh, the education yes. you received at Marquette High School and and elementary. Um uh supposing a student in the UP is interested in this foreign service life, what 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 should they do to prepare themselves and how do they find out more information? Well, I would be delighted to talk to anybody who wants to do this. Um it was it was a career that suited me very well. It's not for everybody, but for those who have an interest in it for a variety of reasons. Um, the first thing they should do is go to the Department of State website, and it's just state.gov slash careers. And there are all kinds of options. There. And one point I'd like to make that a lot of people don't know, um, when we talk about the Foreign Service, they always assume we're talking about Foreign Service officers. But within each embassy, we have all kinds of functional specialists who also help us overseas. They are in the Foreign Service, but they're not fully accredited diplomats. And this would include our doctors. We have medical doctors who come in. We have nurse practitioners. We have security people. We have IT people, lots of IT people. 
uh, office management specialist. Um, and these careers are all available as well. And if somebody is has an interest in seeing the world and being a part of the foreign policy world, but doesn't necessarily want to do the, the the wonky policy work, this is always a nice career option as well. It, uh, it, it is. So it's somebody who is, let's say, graduates from Northern in, in uh, criminal justice and thinking about becoming a police officer that could go on this website and say, I could take my training and security to the Foreign Service. Absolutely. As a, a regional security officer, they're called. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And um, and if if somebody, what's the age spread if somebody wants to go in? I mean, supposing someone's 28, they're sort of bouncing around, they don't know what they want to do could they could they could they still do it is there uh, an age? median age for foreign service officers is 32 okay and you can enter as as young as 24 i believe that's still current and as late as 56 those were the numbers i'm not so sure they're exact but um but yeah usually the you know they're they're people who've most of them have master's degrees, law degrees, PhDs. You know, they're very highly educated group of people for the officer corps are very technical, technically qualified. And they've usually had work experience. The department doesn't want to be a training ground necessarily to teach a younger person work life skills. So everybody that goes becomes a, a member of the United States Civil Service, correct? No, uh, we are the foreign service. We okay. we are separate from the civil service. Um, okay. We have a separate grade and rank system than the civil service, although they match up at various levels. Um, let me use one like a, a, a general in the army is a senior foreign service officer. Counselor is a GS-16. So they all match like that, but we just have a different. It's kind of a boring subject, <laughs> but yeah. But but you would but you would get a you would get a government pension when you're done. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. And you know, a little plug for the Foreign Service too is we get a lot of time off because our our oh, jobs are okay. so remote and and difficult. You know, I don't want to underestimate the difficulty of some of these places. It's it's not an easy. It's not an easy life to, first of all, constantly be moving every two or three years. And we go to dangerous places. Yeah, I mean, that is clearly, clearly true. There, You go to places where other Americans aren't at, actually, uh, at any given time. Uh, in any country that we have diplomatic relations with, there would be an embassy and a counselor, uh, a consulate office, correct? Correct. We have people in just about every country in the world. Well, okay. And uh, why don't you say the website again? Sure. It's state.gov slash careers. S-T-A-T-E dot G-O-V slash career. And, and so I go, I'm sorry, you say what? There's all kinds of information there. Great. Great for them. What? So I I know that Rob Hilton uh, 
who graduated from Marquette High School. His father was a professor at Norton. I did an interview with. He went in the Foreign Service, uh, and I know you know each other. Yes, indeed. Uh, you and Rob. Are there other people who have gone that you know of in Marquette, the Upper Peninsula? Yes, there was a, a an officer. Um, you know, I'm I'm the doyan, I think, because I'm the oldest. Um, and Rob's <laughs> ten, 10 years behind me. And then there was another officer, and I don't have his name, but he's from Marquette. And it's funny because the three of us all had some kind of Bangladesh link. I met Rob in Bangladesh. Um, and and this other officer, and again, this was 35 years ago, so I, I can't re- remember what his name was and never ran into him again, but he was also from Marquette. So yeah, it's, it's very um, heartening when you, you know, you're in the middle of a place like Dhaka and all of a sudden you run into somebody who, you know, you can see what's going on downtown this night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, there are a few faculty members during my era, which would be the 70s, who worked in uh, the State Department and Foreign Service uh, uh, over the years. Uh, that were there. I know that, but they weren't from Marquette, uh, although one was from Michigan. But uh, uh, I don't, uh, I, I suspect the careers in the Foreign Service are are a matter of someone telling a young person about it, right? I mean, you probably... I think, yes. I didn't know about it growing up. I mean... Right. I had no idea. I mean, I I went into this pretty blind. Um, And I think that one of the things that the State Department is really trying to do in the last 10 to 15 years is diversify from being a very elitist East Coast, um, the Ivy League's, to bringing people in from rural areas, bringing people in from, you know, states that they just had not done enough outreach in so that, you know, to spread the word about what we do and what we offer. And so I, I, for your, you know, your listeners, I would encourage them to never let the fact that they're from a rural area hold them back ever because you're very welcome in this. In I never once felt marginalized, which I thought was pretty amazing because I was, I came in, you know, at a very low grade and, um, but I was treated as a colleague from day one. So you decided to retire and you didn't move back to Marquette right away where you are now. You moved somewhere else, right? Arizona or something? Yeah, well, we we bought a place in Marquette that you're familiar with. <laughs> and uh, and then we uh, bought a house in Tucson, and we were kind of going back and forth. And then just made a decision last year that, you know, I think it's time just to have one house and kind of simplify life a little bit. And so now we're in a beautiful place in Marquette. Karen is talking about is Karen bought the condo that I lived in with my wife and uh, we're (laughs) delighted she's there. It's a beautiful place. So, well, I'm delighted to do this. I want to say thank you. Uh, We we will, uh, it's a great opportunity for young people to understand what these different careers are about and different opportunities. And I think you hit it on the head. And it's one of the things we try to do at Rural Insights. We talk to a lot of students many times who tell us, young high school students, as well as college students who say, I don't know, you know, I grew up in a small town. I don't know if I can get 
into this. I don't know if they'll take me. And for them to understand there are people who have had amazing careers uh, from small towns and big towns, and it's a great mix, and you're not going to be marginalized. Uh, good. good. It's a very good message to get out, and it's true. I lived it. Well, that's great. Well, Karen Ogle, thank you very much. We're glad you're back at Marquette, not only because you bought my condo, but it's fun <laughs> having you back in town. Uh, and uh, the opportunities for people to uh, connect with you about life in the Foreign Service. So thank you very much. Thank you, David, for your interest. Really appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the Rural Insights Podcast. Brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you enjoy our content, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting ruralinsights.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.